0: Now, we've been in Ephesians chapter 3 last week. We considered uh, the opening verse of the chapter where Paul uh, gives us a little bit of insight into who he is. And he tells us, first of all, that he is a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ for the Gentiles' sake. But he's more than just a prisoner. Paul is not just a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul is a preacher of Jesus Christ. And in verse 7, he identifies himself as one who has been made a minister. And the word really is a servant of the Lord Jesus through the gift of grace that God has given unto him. And of course, one of the tasks given to him as a minister, as a servant of Jesus Christ... ...was to go and to tell others about his master. And so for a few moments this morning... ...I'd like to preach on the subject of gospel preachers and their work. You're probably thinking to yourself... ...why is Pastor Hall preaching about preachers? That's a very good question. I would much rather not, if I'm being fully honest. I'm very aware... Of my own failures and shortcomings as a preacher. And my very soul cries out to God in repentance for my failures. And I never step into this pulpit without a sense of my own inability and my own unworthiness. So why draw attention to myself in such a way? Well, because this is the next part of what Ephesians is talking about. We are here because we're working our way through this book. And in this part of the exposition of Paul's epistle to the church at Ephesus, he's dealing with the work of the gospel ministry. And let me say, there is no greater work in the church, and there is no greater work in the world, than the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was John Wesley who once said, That if God calls you to be a preacher, do not stoop to be a king. It's a high calling and it is an awesome thing to stand before men and women and boys and girls and to preach God's word. And so when it comes to our weekly meetings here, I can assure you that each sermon is prepared with great fear and trembling before the Lord. And each time that I step into the pulpit, I'm here not as a representative of a church or a denomination, nor in my own name, I'm here as an ambassador of Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel of God to immortal souls who will soon and one day stand before him. Or as one old Reform preacher said, I preach As a dying man to dying men and women. Preaching is both my greatest fear and my greatest delight. My heaviest burden and my greatest joy. And oh, what a blessing to be able to sound forth God's wonderful truth. What a joy it is to preach Christ as the saviour of men. But oh, what a responsibility to declare the unsearchable riches of God's grace, to present Jesus Christ as the only Savior of the soul to those who are on that lost road that leads to eternity. The work of the ministry is great. It requires all of a man and more and we cry out with one of old who is sufficient for these things I want to make you aware this morning of something of the magnitude of the work because I want you to pray for me I want you to be like Aaron and her who stood alongside Moses and held up his hands as he interceded for the people of God and I want you to realise that as your pastor that I am but a weak sinful man and i want you to pray for me and i want you to pray for all who labor in the gospel and i want you to pray for the lord to raise up more laborers in the gospel the lord jesus took his disciples and showed them a harvest field that was white and ready and the first thing that he said to them was pray to the lord of the harvest that he might thrust out more laborers into those fields." For the work of the gospel ministry I don't know how much reading of church history that you do but I came across an interesting statement the other day it said that the history of God's church is written around the men who have occupied her pulpits and when the pulpit has been strong the church has been strong And when the pulpit is dry and dead and weak, then the church is dry and dead and weak. And the greatest blessing that God can give to a town or to a community is a preacher of his word. A man who will boldly and plainly declare the gospel of God's grace. That he will preach salvation through Jesus Christ. Who will take the word of God and declare it as God's truth from Genesis to Revelation. One who will dare to stand up and confront rebel sinners and proclaim to them the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest blessing that God can ever give to a town or a city. And the greatest curse that can come upon a land is for God to silence his messengers. I know that many of you are aware of John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress. For many years, John Bunyan was locked up in a prison cell. His only crime was preaching God's word. His imprisonment was not a judgment on John Bunyan. His imprisonment was God's judgment upon England to sentence them to having no gospel preachers. The greatest famine that people can know is not a famine of bread or water, according to the prophet Amos. He said, Behold, the day is come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, But of hearing the words of the Lord and they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east and they shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. The greatest famine that men ever experience is a famine of God's word. From time to time I hear from people who live in various parts of the country, some in big cities, some in... In small rural places and very often the complaint is the same. We have nowhere to worship. There are no churches here. Oh there are church buildings but there are now warehouses and coffee shops and art galleries. But there is no place to worship God. No place to hear his word. Nowhere where the gospel is preached. I pray for those people. I pray that such a curse may never come upon Kingston Town. The church can prosper and grow without fine buildings and beautiful music and organized programs. But unless there is one to preach God's word with the amounting of God's Holy Spirit, then there's only famine in the land. So that's why we're preaching about preachers this morning. And that's why we're going to speak about the work that they do. Because that's where God has brought us to in these verses 7 through to 9. Where Paul makes mention that he is a minister according to the grace of God. Given unto him by the effectual working of his power. Paul gives us a description of his ministry. And of who he is as a gospel preacher. So let me point out a couple of things from our text this morning. And show you first of all. The gospel preacher's authority. Gospel preachers. Are men who are under God's authority. And I think that's important for us to remember. That it is God alone. Who can make. A preacher, or can call a preacher, or commission a preacher. Those who are God's preachers, his gospel preachers, are men who are under divine authority. Let me assure you that it's not simply a career choice. It's not on the basis of having the right education, or having the right family connections. It used to be joked in, Particular time and age that if a gentleman had three sons, that one would enter politics, one would study law, and the last one would go to the church. Every minister of God is one is is one who's called specifically to that task. Paul writes in verse seven whereof I was made. A minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Steve Lawson from Ligonier Ministry says that there are only two types of preachers today, those who are called of God and those who should resign. It's not just a job. It's not a career. It's not something you do because you, you've... Engaged in the right studies or the right programs. Any man who is preaching who has not been called of God specifically to that task is a pretender. He has taken upon himself a duty and a mantle that God has not laid upon him. I remember as as a young man uh, feeling, as it were, the calling of God to the work of the ministry, speaking to my own pastor at the time, and telling him I believed that God was calling me to that work. And his advice was very simple. He said, if you can be happy doing anything else in this world, go and do it instead. I was happy with that because at that time I was studying at university, computer science, and that was a field that I was interested in and wanted to engage in. And I desired a career, and I thought, well, that's good, I can go and study computers, and I did. But the calling of God was relentless. And everywhere I turned, God was pursuing me. And every time I opened my Bible, God was speaking to me. And every sermon that I heard, it seemed that God was calling me afresh, until at last, in the words of Jeremiah chapter 20. His word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. God overtook me and called me. No man makes himself a minister of the word. No Bible college or seminary education can make a preacher. In our own denomination we have a very rigorous process of examination so that we don't get those who are just trying to promote themselves to a position of honour or influence or power. We have to first have our our own specific calling from the Lord. Then we are examined by our local church, by our minister and elders. Then we are examined by the by the seminary process, the training, the education. They were examined again by our presbytery. We were to be licensed then for preaching. And then, of course, after that, there must come a call from a church. We don't make ourselves preachers. God calls us. God equips us. God commissions us. God places us where he would have us to be. We are... Preachers by the gift of the grace of God, Paul said. He says, says, there's nothing in me by nature that qualifies me for this work. It's not because he's smart or well-educated. He doesn't write these epistles like he does because he's intelligent, though he is. He doesn't serve the Lord because of some trait of power that's within him by nature. Paul says that he is who he is by the grace of God, by the effectual working of his power. When it came to his ministry, Paul didn't say, look at the things that I've accomplished. Look at the great things that I have done. Look at the preaching tours that I have been engaged in. The churches that I've established, the ministries, the preachers, the elders that I'm responsible for. Paul didn't say that. Do you know what Paul did say? Who is Paul? Or who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as God gave to every man, I have planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It's all of God. We are called by God. We are commissioned by him. We go out with a task that he's given us to do. And if there's any success to that task, it's God's doing. Because the glory and the honor belongs to him. God's servant preachers, their interest is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. They labor for the glory of their Savior and for the salvation of sinners. They do not labor for the applause of men or for earthly gain. It breaks my heart as a gospel preacher to see some so-called preachers fleece their flocks. As they fly in their private jets and they stay in their luxury penthouse suites and they wear their $10,000 suits. Yes, I earned my living as a preacher. I'm fully aware of that. But I would preach even if there were no wages. If there comes a Lord's Day when only one other person turns up, still I would preach. Not here for the crowds. i not here for the applause. Not here for the money. I'm here because God put his hand upon me and said to me as a young man, go and preach Christ. And so the Apostle Paul, called of God and gifted by God for the work that he has to do. I firmly believe that, that God not only calls a preacher, but he must equip him also. None of you knew me before my call to the ministry. I was rather introverted reverted shy I remember speaking to an old high school teacher I met him one day in the city of Belfast and he asked me what I was doing I told him that I was preparing for the gospel ministry and he said you? he said I never heard you speak the whole time you were in high school God equips us and makes of us what he wants us to be for his glory. And so he must give us an understanding of the scriptures and help an ability to explain and to communicate the things of God. An ability to lead within the church. And Paul, as a sinner saved by grace and by the power of God, he tells us that's what every preacher should be. A man sent by God to preach the gospel, one who knows it by experience, who has tasted and seen that the Lord is good, who recognizes and knows his saving powers. And before a man can preach to others, he must himself first of all be a child of God, Born again of his Spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost, God must equip him to be bold and fearless before men, addicted to the study of the Scriptures, constant in his labours, fervent in his praying, full of love, full of faith, full of hope, self-sacrificing, a man whose heart is set on Christ and upon eternity. To take that commission from God and to go and do God's work as he's been appointed to do. God's work. We're not social workers. We're not counsellors. We're not politicians. We are ambassadors for Christ. And we say even in the words of our Saviour as My Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And so God determines the place of our service and the message for the hour because it's to him that we must give an account. This is the testimony of every man called of God. I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Now notice secondly, not just quite as long. The gospel preacher's attitude. Paul tells us something about the attitude of those who are engaged in the work of the ministry. And this what he says in verse 8. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I am fully persuaded that in great measure the success or the failure of a man's ministry will depend upon his attitude towards the work. Paul tells us certain things about his attitude to the work of the gospel. The first thing I see is this, that he thinks very little of himself. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints. Is this grace given? This is Paul's honest estimate of himself. It's, he's not guilty of false modesty. When he looks in the mirror and he sees himself, he sees one who is less than the least of all saints. By his own admission, he was a blasphemer and a murderer and a persecutor of the church And a sworn enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God saved him. And called him and commissioned him to preach the very gospel that he had once despised. And the longer that he walks now in the company of the Lord Jesus Christ. The lower his opinion of his self becomes. Someone said that Paul's growth in grace was like this. That as a young believer he said I am less than the least of all the apostles. As he goes a little bit further in life, he says, I'm less than the least of all saints. Just before his death, he says, actually, I'm the chief of all sinners. The Spirit of God, as it gives Paul greater and greater revelations of Christ, he he turns around to have lower and lower opinions of himself. Like John the Baptist, he says, he, Christ, must increase and I must decrease. I know how he feels. And I think of who I was before the Lord saved me. And I think of how evil my heart can still be at times. And I'm so amazed that God would ever save someone like me not only save me, but then call me to preach his word. It boggles the mind. That's what Paul's saying. That God should call one like me, less than the least of all saints. He thinks little of himself. But he thinks highly of God's people. So when he thinks little of himself, he has a high opinion of his brothers and sisters in the Lord. He's very fond of them actually. A low opinion of self and a high esteem of others. And he's not been unrealistic. He knows about their weaknesses and at times he's had to rebuke them and correct them. But yet he sees who they are in Christ. And he sees the perfections of the Lord shining through. The church of Jesus Christ with all of her spots and all of her wrinkles is the fairest society upon earth. There are no greater people than the Lord's people. And the church is lovely in the eyes of Christ. And it ought to be lovely in our eyes also. And Paul thought lovingly about this congregation in Ephesus. And he counted it a great privilege that he was permitted to preach amongst the Gentiles. Though others may have more respectable audiences. But Paul, he's an apostle to the certain. Uh, to the uncircumcised to the Gentiles Peter preached to the Hebrews James was the pastor of that big city church the first Presbyterian church of Jerusalem but Paul was sent to the Gentiles you read the first chapter of Romans you'll see just how depraved those Gentiles were but Paul says you know I love them anyway I love what God's done with them how he's saved them how he's transformed them. And he's bringing them together and forming congregations. And they're going out and telling their, their neighbors and their friends about Christ. He's fallen in love with those whom the Lord has sent him to preach to. Charles Spurgeon said, I never knew a man succeed amongst the people unless he preferred them to all others as the objects of his care. We know that Paul loved the Jews and loved his kinsmen according to the flesh. But his flock, his flock were the Gentiles. And he thought very highly of them. Not only thought highly of them, he thought highly of his work. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach. This is the work that God has called him to do, to preach. The greatest title that Paul ever took to himself was Servant of Jesus Christ. And he throws his hands up in amazement that such an honour as to preach Christ should ever be given to one like him. That I should preach. This is my work. This is what God has called me to do. To go and to preach. Preach everywhere. Preach to everyone. Preach Christ. In every place, in every age. God's servants are preachers. Nothing else, nothing less, nothing more. Just preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Preach Christ. This is the crowning attitude of Paul's ministry. That he desired nothing more nor less than to preach Christ everywhere he went. That I should preach amongst the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul, in his great anthem of praise, only has one note to play, and it's Jesus Christ. Everything that he has to say is contained in that one word, Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ, the unfathomable riches of Christ, the depths of his love and his grace and his mercy cannot be reached nor understood. They are unsearchable. No one can fully comprehend the majesty of the Savior. And Paul's doing his best to tell the church about all that they possess in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we preach the gospel week by week. It's why we preach from book to book week by week. That we might come to an ever deepening understanding of who the Lord Jesus Christ is and the blessings that are ours in him. and To study and to preach God's word, to know that we are loved by God, that we are chosen by him, that we're saved by virtue of the precious blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his son, that we're saved by his grace, that we're made part of his body. That even now God looks upon us as those who are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. To know that our names are recorded in the Lamb's book of life. That we are the temple of God's Holy Spirit. These are only part of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And Paul's desire in everything that he does is to glorify the sea. He doesn't feel restricted at all by having only one subject to preach. Because every time he comes to preach on Christ, there's something new, something fresh, something glorious to declare. His riches are unsearchable. We think of the glory of his person, of his covenant promises, of his wondrous incarnation of his sin-atoning death, his mighty resurrection, his heavenly intercession, his sovereign rule, his second coming. These are riches unsearchable. And unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach amongst the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I'm not here To defend points of doctrine. Not here to put forward political solutions or to magnify social networks or anything like that. I'm here to preach Christ, to preach Him in all of His fullness, to men in all of their need, and to show that there is forgiveness to be found in Him, that there's righteousness in Christ that his precious blood cleanses us from all sin, that the joy that we require for this life and the world to come is found in Christ alone, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Every man who is called of God is sent by him to preach Christ in all places, in all of his fullness. The whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation tells us of our Savior. Preaching is simply telling people about the Savior. One last thought, very briefly. The gospel preacher's ambition. What is the ambition of Paul and every gospel preacher will of the same ambitions there in verse 9. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Our ambition is one, to make Christ known to men, and to bring men to Christ. Whether we preach on the election of God or the substitutionary redemption of Christ or the justification that he offers to us, the righteousness and the holiness and the sanctification to follow, we want to glorify Christ in the eyes of men and we want them to see the glories and the beauties of our Savior. That's our desire. Not worldly applause, not power and influence or wealth and riches, but that men might see the glories of our Savior. I want you to take this message with the intent that you will pray for the gospel preachers. Pray for me. Pray for others that you know that minister in the word. Pray that God might bless his truth as it sounded forth. Pray that God would open up new doors and avenues of opportunity so that there might be more places where his word is heard. Pray for these things that all men might see. I finish with the words of Isaiah 52 and verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, and publisheth salvation, that say unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. So may we take the message of the gospel everywhere we go and tell those that we meet of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And may God, the Holy Spirit, make all men see the glories of our Savior. May the Lord bless these few thoughts to our hearts this morning for his own name's sake. Amen. Amen.